0: Download it today at the Apple App Store or Google Play. Hunt Stand. Upgrade your arsenal. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Brought to you by Vortex Optics. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. We got a real good episode today. We're going to be talking with Mark Kenyon and uh, everybody knows Mark Kenyon, but uh, we have a really good conversation today about his his season, his 2021 season. And although it's not 100% over yet, it's uh, a really good uh, episode where he talks about fitting basically six hunts in an eight week period or something like that it's ridiculous so he was on the road a lot this year uh he hunted everywhere from maine to alabama to uh, nebraska and a couple other states in between um so his his season was packed he talks about the struggles of trying to fit that many hunts into a short window he talks about the, the the family structure there you know how it's difficult when dad goes to hunt I I go through this every year too. Uh, Dad goes to hunt, uh, and then mom's left at home with the kids. So he talks about that. We talk about some bucket list hunts or once-in-a-lifetime hunts. Man, we talk a little bit about everything. It's a really good BS session. I know uh, uh, you guys know Mark, so you know that it's going to be a a good episode. So I'm just going to kind of get right into it. Before we do get into it, though, quick commercial break. And I'm just going to run through these real quick. If you're looking for a good Hunting app, you need to go check out Hunt Stand on HuntStand.com. Uh, it's it's uh, got everything you need, right? Satellite imagery, property boundaries, all that stuff. At the same time, that satellite imagery is updated on a monthly basis. That's crazy. Every month they up they upload new satellite imagery, which is, I guess, awesome for for those who want the most up to date. Um, imagery, so I mean, to me, that's a win. And then on top of all that, it just—it's the most robust uh, app that there is. Huntstand.com. If you're looking for a discount, SN20 will save you 20% off your purchase. Lone Wolf Man, um, four sticks and an assault. I'm. Let's see. I'm. I'm six foot, six foot one. I'm two twenty somewhere around there and uh, i'm telling you right now that will get me anywhere i need to go as far as far as a portable tree stand is concerned uh if you're looking for 50 dollars off any purchase over 200 you need to enter the discount code 9fc21 wasp archery and wasp broadheads uh man total destruction like anything they hit, they kill, right? So um, huge fan of Wasp, especially the Jackhammer and the Boss 4-Blades, um, the Boss 4-Blade. Those are my two favorite out of, out of the, the category. And the discount code is 9FINGERS2021. The number 9 followed by the word FINGERS2021, 20% off. Uh, Ozonics, if you are looking to jump into the, the Ozone game, definitely check out Ozonics, OzonicsHunting.com all the information you need is there talk to buddies who use it i mean if you have any questions about it come talk to me about it you know hit me up on instagram or or a facebook and I'll, I'll give you my god's honest opinion on, on it uh ozonicshunting.com and if you purchase a unit you can get a free dry wash bag nfc21 nfc21 and then also if, uh, Vortex Optics, uh, it's one of those companies that no, not only talks the talk, but walks the walk when it comes to giving back to the community and to conservation and, and um, things like that. Uh, on top of that, they just have premium optics, right? Rifle scopes, spotting scopes, binoculars, rangefinders, all this stuff. Uh, new, A lot of new products coming in 2021, so keep an eye out for that. VortexOptics.com, Exodus Trail Cameras. Man, if you want a trail camera that works, Exodus Trail Cameras, period. Right, I mean, there's other there's other things I could talk about, but all I all I care about is when I leave the woods, those trail cameras are working. So uh, ExodusOutdoorGear.com, and then Excalibur Crossbows. If you're looking for a crossbow for yourself or for a new hunter, ExcaliburCrossbow.com. These guys have been around for thirty years, and they also have uh, just uh, a lineup that you know is is awesome right so if you want uh if you're looking for a high quality uh product or high high quality crossbow from a company that's been around for 30 years uh then you need to check check out excaliburcrossbow.com so there's that hopefully everybody has had or had a great christmas uh the new year's is coming up fast uh if you haven't uh, if you're going to be if you're listening to this and for some reason you're going to be at the ata show uh, i'll be doing a speech there on friday uh that covers conservation and things like that uh stop into the me- the media summit if you're going to be there other than that let's get on with this episode Mr. Mark Kenyon here we go three two one all right ladies and gentlemen on today's podcast we have
1: Mark Kenyon! <laughs>
0: dude what's up
1: those who couldn't understand as the speakers blew out of your vehicles he said mark kenyon
0: <laughs> yeah I, I turned my head and yelled even i didn't yell right into the mic
1: <laughs> dude i'm great i'm excited to be here it's good uh it's good to be chatting with you again it's been uh it's been a wild fall and not getting to be like in touch with you every week on it is always disappointing for me so this is this is just what the doctor ordered
0: yeah and i i i said we got to set a, a certain tone on this, on this, uh, there's no, there's no bullet points to check. There's no road that we have to go on. We're gonna kind of go wherever, wherever it goes. And this, it could just be a straight crazy episode where I'm, I may try to throw you off your game, but I know you, and I think there's certain times where you're unthrowable.
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm interested to see if we can test that. I mean, I'd love to see, <laughs> see where you take it. Uh, well, but I'm, I'm game for whatever path you want to take me down
0: and i already told you what we're not going to be talking about today and we're not yeah, going to mention that's that one thing we, sh- we shouldn't mention we, yeah that. <laughs> we're not going to mention that um and even if you try to get that information out of me uh through instagram or facebook i'm still not going to tell you so don't even bother okay so
1: lockbox <laughs> yeah
0: right so um dude you've been on the road a shit ton this fall well,
1: yeah man it's been crazy i yeah. think it was like uh six weeks out of an eight week out of an eight week window i was on the road i've done i've done seven seven out- of state trips so far dang oh about a week long each and for one window there from like the second week of october through the third week of November it was six weeks out of eight and then i had a nine day break and then had another week gone mm-hmm. so it's just been crazy it's been been the grind of a different kind this yeah. year. So, uh, I finally have like a nice chunk. I've got three weeks from yesterday till my next trip. So it's going to feel like a nice long return to normalcy, which, which I definitely needed.
0: Yeah. What was, uh, what, what that conversation look like with your wife? Because if I had that conversation with my wife, it's like, Hey, yo, check this out. I'm going to go, uh, <laughs> I'm going to be gone like six of eight weeks and she would go, <laughs> no, no, and then I would uh, probably not be able to go do it. But what was that, what was that conversation like when, when this whole schedule was brought up?
1: So here's the funny thing is, it, it, so it was like a two part thing. The first part was like last fall when me and like the media team were kind of pitching these ideas for these shows and these projects we we're going to try to do this year. And we kind of settled on what we thought this idea was going to be. And I brought up to Kyle, like, Hey, I think I'm actually going to be filming two different shows next year. Um, and it's going to result in me having to travel like a whole bunch, at least six weeks for one of these shows, then another week for another one, plus some. Uh, it's just, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be a crazy fall, but you know, it's its going to be some pretty cool stuff. It's going to be good for what we're trying to do with wired to hunt. Uh, you know, what do you think about that in general? Um, like, can we handle that? Is that going to stress us out too much? And she kind of was like, you got to do it. We got to do it. You know, let's worry about the details later, but you got to do it. Yeah. And I was like, okay, sweet. And that was, so that was a year ago. Yeah. But then here's the funny thing is <laughs> that is like, you know, March or April came around and I started like, you know, mapping out, okay, I think we're gonna do one of these trips at this point. We're gonna do one of these trips at this point. And then we get to like June or July and I'm getting closer in each one of these different periods when we're getting deeper and deeper into planning. I'm like, Hey, Kylie, do you want to talk about when it'd be best for me gone for this? Or what do you think about these trips lining up? She's like, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to know about it. Don't tell me it gets to July. I'm like, Hey, you know, my hunting season's going to start in like two and a half months. Can I walk you through this? She's like, no, I don't want to hear about it. We get to like September. I leave for my first trip. And she's like, all I care about is like, where are you going next week? If it, if it's not next week, don't tell me. And literally Dan, she refused to let me tell her what I was doing or where I was going or how often I was going anywhere until the week before. She's like, I don't want to know about it. She's like, it's gonna stress me out. So I'm just gonna live on a week by week basis and we're just gonna survive weekly. And and that was it. And honest yeah. to goodness, that's what we did, man. We <laughs> I, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, man, she should be really prepared for the fact that I'm gonna be gone. You know, a week home for five days, gone for a week home for five days, gone for two weeks home for four days, gone for another week home for five days, gone for another week. But she didn't want to know it, and I didn't tell her.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So, well, hey, that's one way to handle your problems is to swallow them deep down inside and never talk about them. (laughs)
1: Exactly. That was the approach we took. Um, But you know what? You know, and I say this like knocking on wood because maybe the other shoe is yet to drop. But this is actually the best we've made it through a hunting season that's awesome as far as like there wasn't like a big breakdown there wasn't a huge fight there wasn't you know i can't handle this anymore kind of stuff yeah and maybe that was just because we both knew it was going to be shitty yeah and so we both went into it like knowing man this is going to suck so there's no point complaining about it maybe that was it or maybe she knew that i was like struggling too with it and so she you know maybe in the past it just felt like i was on a joyride and she had the tough part maybe yeah. she realized it's like a I'm not sure what it was, but whatever it was, um, you know we've we've got through the worst of it at least. Yeah, and uh, she's still talking to me, and we're still married. That's 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 a a win. win. (laughs) That's a win.
0: Uh, That that was kind of like how my whole season went. So I went eight days to South uh, to Nebraska, then I went eight days to let's see, eight days to Nebraska, eight days to South Dakota. Tagged out in South Dakota, went back to Nebraska in that eight day period. Right. So two Western trips, roughly eight uh, eight days at a time, uh, including the the day of driving. Right. Yep. And, um, it wasn't that bad. I got one call saying that, Hey, you got your, one of your sons is being an asshole. Right. And that's, that's pretty standard whether I'm here or not. Okay. Yeah. So that happened. And then, so I, I, I get back, I didn't really do, I did I sprinkled a little bit of hunting into the last week of October, but then November 1st hit. And then I kind of sprink you know, or the last week of October, I was hunting a couple afternoons and then the last, I don't know, I, I sprinkle, I, I sprinkled some in and then I went down to the main farm and started hitting it. And I tagged out on the fourth. Right. Yep. And then, you know, you got a day of processing and cleaning the deer up and all that stuff. And then, you know, all that. And we were having this conversation after I was, uh, you know, after, it was probably on my birthday, on the fifth or or the sixth or something like that. And she says, "You know what? This season wasn't really too bad." And I and in my head, <laughs> I said, "You're gonna wish you never said that because <laughs> <laughs> because I'm gonna take advantage of that right now."
1: Setting precedent,
0: exactly. You know, it's like I got two kids in school full time, and I have another kid who's in daycare slash preschool full time now. So. The kids are in school all day long. They're, she's not having to watch them just in the evenings. And yes, that can be a struggle and, and things like that. But man, I tell you what, uh, it was a, it was a good year. It was a low stress year. I'll put it to you that way.
1: That's good news. That gives me hope that uh, it's only going to get better from here, especially, you know, you bring up the whole school thing yeah. and I can see how that would make a big difference. So
0: how, yeah, man. how old your oldest to, boy
1: now? He, uh, he's still three. He turns okay. four next month.
0: Okay, cool. So is he in three-year-old preschool right now?
1: He is. He it's, is. It's okay. just half a day, twice a week right yeah.
0: now. Yep. Yeah. Same with, uh, same with my boy. So, um, he is, he's four now, but he's in, he's in, uh he's in, a, we held him back and he's in a three-year-old preschool. So because of the, when he was born in September, you know, how all, all the dates work and whatnot. So, yeah. um, so it's, it's just good that that happens now. Um, every hunting season, right. We have these highs and lows, uh, that we all kind of go through. And I want to know like this whole, you know, obviously you have to keep up appearances and you have to be like, dude, oh, this is so much fun doing all this and uh, and all this travel and stuff. Was there any negative, like, oh my God, again, type moments?
1: Oh, dude, Dan, there was a bunch. There's a bunch. Um, This season was very much like a type two fun season. Yeah. So, you know, we've talked about type one and type two fun a lot over the years. But for anyone who's new or who doesn't know what I'm talking about, like there's there's type one fun, which is like the fun in the moment, simple, easy fun. Like you and me drinking a beer and watching a football game. That's fun in the simple type one way. Yep. Then there's type two fun. Type two fun is like you and me going elk hunting in your tent leaking and you have to climb in my tent <laughs> in the middle of the night and you're soaking wet and you're miserable and in the moment it sucks right but for the rest of our lives Dan we get to look back on that and right. laugh about it and remember all the great times we had and like damn that was a great trip
0: yeah
1: uh, that's type two fun and so this season for me has been a lot of type two it's yeah. going to be a season that in the moment there were a lot of times when I was just worn out tired stressed out feeling like there's pressure on this thing and everything's going wrong and I suck and these things aren't going right. But you like, why am I put myself in this situation. that's like impossible to pull something off. But I already can see like looking back on it, most of the season being done now. And I can say, man, I'm really glad I did this. Like there were so many funny things that happened. So many fun experiences, so many learning experiences, um, that, you know, bad mishaps and whatever's aside, I know like this is going to be one of the most memorable hunting seasons of my life yeah. without even having kill a big buck or anything. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, there was, you know, the scheduling was crazy. I don't think I would ever try to pack as much in as I did this year. I, if I ever have a year where we're trying to film as many things, I got to find some different way to stretch it out or schedule it like different times a year, get more hunts, like start earlier and end later or something. I can't have so much packed into that, yeah. like late October through November window. Um, so like there's those things where just like the fatigue factor was crazy. Um, tons of travel, uh, you know, every, as we've talked about in other episodes over the year, I think, you know, the basic gist of my season, which was like traveling to different parts of the country, meeting with a expert in this region with some kind of unique thing, like a unique way of deer hunting. And then I was spending a day with this expert to learn how they do what they do in their area. And then for, like, three more days, I would go out there on my own and try to pull it off myself um, in in this new place, trying this new way of hunting. Um, and so it's, like, a cool idea, but in practice, like, actually trying to pull it off with that little time and zero exposure to the area, zero experience in the area, trying to hunt a way I've never hunted before. I get there, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is stupid. There's no way I'm ever going to, like, pull this off.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and so there was a lot of moments where I was – thinking to myself, like, what a waste of a season. You're not gonna kill a damn thing. You're just gonna like knock yourself out, wear yourself out doing this crazy shit, have no success, be worn out, uh, look like an idiot, and you know, what kind of knucklehead are you? Is I had many days like that, thinking yeah. those thoughts. Yeah. Um but then at the same time you have the opposite. You have those highs too. You have the days that you're like, dude, this is cool. This is super fun. Yeah. Um so there was a there was a it was a roller coaster year. Ups and downs, ups and downs.
0: Yeah. Now we got to talk about one of those down moments. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so you missed a, a really good buck in Iowa. Uh, like, yeah, I did. And I, I don't want to bring the, the whole tone of the podcast down, but I think this is a moment <laughs> where a, a lot of people would give up or say, oh, boo-hoo, you know, like I'm done, or or throw in the towel or, or just go into a depression for a, a week and, and possibly not get out of it we've been there before i've been there before you've missed i've missed and so what what was that like i mean y- you drew back you missed like what was the what was that next hour what was that next day like
1: uh it was brutal um you know the, and there's like the the there's two sides of it there's and one side everybody can relate to one side most people don't care about so the one side that everybody can relate to is just like the amount of work that we put into this right just as hunters um so you know the scouting in the spring and the scouting in the summer and then all the hunts in the fall and it seems like every hunt where you don't kill a deer even if it's in a different place or a different area or a different situation like they all kind of add up if you haven't killed like a mature buck yet or whatever you're trying to do for the year if you haven't got like that buck all the days stack up so even though for example, in Iowa, I had only been hunting – it had been seven days. And so I would hunted seven straight days all day every day on brand new stuff that I, you know, was trying to figure out and trying to kill a buck on. So you might say, "Oh, seven days worth of work that brought me to this final moment when I got a shot. But it felt like – it felt like 67 days of work because it was all <laughs> the other days, you know, it was all the other hunts that had yeah. been successful leading up to that as well. And then there's all the off-season stuff too. So yeah. it felt like this – this enormous amount of time and effort and work and pressure that had built up to this moment. And I'd, I'd passed on some really nice bucks the first morning actually, um, that, you know, I would have killed, I think basically any other state I'd been in this year, I would have killed them right away. Right. But it was morning number one on the first day in Iowa. And I'm like, Oh man, we hit it perfect bucks are cruising everywhere. And here's like two really nice deer, probably like three year olds, like really good three year olds. Um, and I didn't take a crack because I'm like, man, I haven't hunted Iowa in six years. I want to you know, I want to enjoy it. I want to see the thing. I want to enjoy the show. I'd hate to hunt here for 30 minutes and then be done. And that's all I get to do in Iowa yeah. for another six years? Um, so I didn't shoot them. But now then from that point on, like the hunt plummeted and I saw very little activity at all, all the way till the last day. And then, you know, I... I scouted this new area. I found a zone I really liked. I set up a setup, uh, I set up sticks in a saddle setup for me. I went back into the next morning, and sure enough, here comes this slammer. And so it felt like, okay, this is everything you've been working towards. This is everything that's been building towards this. Um, and then, like you said, I missed him. And, and so there's that, that crushing sense of, you, you, sh- you, you pissed it all away. Like all right. that work was for nothing. All that pressure that had been building, you know, was, is just, has just crushed you. Um, so, you know, in so many words, I just felt utterly awful. And then there was like the other thing that was like the pressure of like building content around this thing. And I was, oh yeah, you know, trying to do this show and you know, like, there's this pressure to try to, you know, pull all that off and everybody else on this show had killed except for me and so i was feeling like doubly dumb and so like that side of things also made me a little more miserable so for the next like day i was bummed out but as you know i couldn't not hunt gotta keep going so i kept hunting that day didn't didn't have another one come through and then the next you know that night that day seven was the last day filming for that show I had to start filming this other show I was filming the next day in Nebraska. So I, you know, I packed up all my stuff. I I climbed out of the tree, got to my truck, kind of reorganized my truck and then started driving to Nebraska that night. You know, after having been hunting for 13 hours or whatever it was, I drove four more hours that night, got a hotel room, slept till like four in the morning, woke up, got back in the truck and kept driving until I got to my spot in Nebraska and met up with our crew out there and started hunting again in this new place. Um, so it was, you know, it was just like on to the next Sufferfest um, yeah. and just kept going. Yeah. And unfortunately, and that was actually kind of nice because it, it 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 was like a hard break. Like it was a hard change. It got me out of one location, got me to a brand new location, meeting up with new people. And I was just forced into a different state of mind. Yeah. And, you know, that pretty quickly got me into, all right, it's on to the next thing. You know, all you can do is keep going. And, yeah. There was no time, there was no option to sit in, like, woe is me kind of deal. It was just, all right, it happened, don't make. Don't let it happen again, keep going. And then off to the races. So, yeah. super, super disappointing. I mean, he was one of the biggest bodied deer I can remember ever taking a shot at. I mean, he was just a horse, just yeah. huge, um, just an absolute stud of an eight-pointer. Like, I don't know, I would guess, like, 150-type eight-point. Yeah. And, uh sucked but that's hunting
0: yeah that's fact man we've all been there before but i'll tell you what all that stress and this uh, i i mean this with all due respect all that stress went straight to your goatee because i saw (laughs) i saw you on instagram live uh today and your goatee no longer looks rookie of the year you're 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 more into veteran status now dude
1: <laughs> well did you see I, I shaved the goatee it's just a mustache now
0: well you still got a little you know unless that's there's where like some, your hair grows
1: there's like some five o'clock shadow yeah where the goatee is because that's literally only where my hair grows okay Uh but but yeah like i've just got the big bushy bushy mustache now and then like some five o'clock underneath it yeah um, looks good so though. that's thanks man That's good i figured time for a little change
0: yep yep well um so the the season itself has been uh has been up and down right and it you went to Alabama and uh because I was I was chatting with Parker uh he's on the sportsman's his podcast is on the sportsman's nation too and uh he told me that he was hunting with you and that seemed like a pretty cool experience
1: yeah definitely was it was uh another one of those unique places you know I I think you've probably got some of the same stuff. People always send us messages like, you know, I like hearing your podcast, but, you know, it's never about the South enough, or you never talk about things that relate to the South enough, or what you're saying isn't quite relevant to what we do down here in the South. So this year I really felt like if I'm doing this traveling around the country thing, I definitely have got to hit some Southern spots so I can understand what they're talking about. Um, And so, yeah, this is an opportunity to do that. I got to hunt Arkansas in October and now Alabama in December, uh, and so I was just really looking forward to seeing what it's like down there. What yeah. are the deer like? What's the hunting like? What's the country like? What are people, you know, putting up with in that neck of the woods? Yeah. And with Parker, it was twofold. It was let's learn about hunting Alabama, but let's also learn about his kind of unique approach to finding success in tough places like that on public land, which is using water. Yeah. So he boats and kayaks everywhere. So that's what we did. I went to a spot that he, you know, does some hunting on and I learned how he uses kayaks to access these tough to reach places. Kind of learned how he breaks down these big chunks of big woods, public land. Um, we spent a you know morning doing that together. And then the next four days I took off on my own and tried to do it. And uh, we shared a camp and we camped for the week and got to meet up every night and talk about how things went. And it was a really good time and really cool place. And, uh, just a, a, really well-rounded experience because there was like some interesting hunting stuff. The water was just like beautiful to like have a hunt that was centered around boating and kayaking around, which was just like cool. And then having like the camp setting, which was fun. That we had like my crew of people, but then also his dad was in camp, and so it was just like a really fun deer camp atmosphere. Like getting back, having a fire at night. Yeah. Um,
0: just all around, really cool. One of the one of the more fun trips of the year. So you had a fog, uh, incident and, and I had a fog incident <laughs> once, uh, as well. I was on the Mississippi river with my wife and my, uh, and my father-in-law and we were, we were going to go out fishing one summer morning and the fog was so thick. I mean, it, like I, I was having trouble, s- I was in the back and I was having trouble seeing the front of the boat, like that kind of thick. And we were hearing that we could hear muffled things, but really couldn't. And, and you, you mentioned getting distorted and things and we hit a pocket like where we were, we hit a pocket where we were, we could start to see a little bit and we almost had a head on collision with a barge at, in the Mississippi river. Well, like it was like an, Oh shit type moment. And it, it freaked out kind of freaked us all out. Um, yeah. and we were going, we were going like just putting along too. Um, Talk to me about the, the freakiness of this, uh, this fog story.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, it's just like, it's hot and humid down there. It's muggy. And so, you know, according to Parker, you get these nasty fogs quite a bit on these water systems. And that's what we had the first morning. Uh, you know, we got to the boats, you know, I don't know, it was probably almost two hours before daylight when we tried to set off and we pushed off from camp and, for that first day, Parker was taking us to a spot that he was going to hunt and I was going to follow him and then sit in the tree with him and just like watch what he does and ask him a million questions, basically like do a podcast with him in person. So I was just following him and, you know, at first it was like, okay, we're just putzing along and I'm following behind him and it doesn't, you know, I, I couldn't see, it was kind of the same kind of fog like you described, like I could just barely see him, like his silhouette ahead of me. And that was it. But there was zero visibility of anything else at all. There's no shoreline. There's no other people. There's there's no reference point. So at first, I'm just okay. just keep your eyes on the back of his boat and just point at that. And that's it. And so you're just like straining to look at him the whole time. And he had like a little light on. We had a little lanterns we put on the back of the boat so you could see it. And so I'm just like trying to focus on that little light. And I'm going and going and going. And then at some point, I don't know how long it felt like we've been going for a half hour, or 45 minutes. I don't know. It probably was a lot shorter, but for whatever, whenever it was, it just felt like we weren't going anywhere. And I'm looking, I'm trying to look at the water. Like, are we even moving anymore? Like, are we going? And then I remember thinking like, okay, he's like turning, but he's never straightening out. And it felt like, okay, I've got like, I'm turning left and I'm still going left and I'm still going left and I'm still going left. And then I started thinking, I'm just spinning in a circle. We're just driving in a circle. And then I'm like looking ahead and I'm, I'm trying to look at the water underneath me. And I'm looking at like in front of me. I'm like, what direction are we going? I'm like, I don't think we're going in the right direction anymore. And and then all of a sudden I just felt like I was just spinning. Like literally I'm like, I'm just spinning in a circle. And I started getting like dizzy and literally nauseous. Like I was like, I think I'm going to get sick. And fortunately, like very quickly after I'm having this moment, like this is this is not cool. Very quickly after that, all of a sudden we got to shore. Um, but if we had been, you know, if it had been another fifteen minutes like that, I might have gotten like I might have puked or something because I I literally felt like I was like a like a compass needle just spinning around in a circle. Is what my head was thinking was going on. It was really weird. Yeah, very weird.
0: Was it uh, like car sickness?
1: <sighs> you know, I don't really get car sickness. Um, but it was, it, it was like, it was like just a weird nauseousness. I yeah. guess would be
0: it was just like sick
1: and like I wanted to puke yeah. basically my head was like, it just felt like my head was swimming and I wanted to puke.
0: Dang. That's nuts, man. I've, it was weird. I've been disoriented in the dark before, uh, you know, before the, the days of hunt stand and onyx and all those things. I, I've gotten lost in the woods uh, before. Um, especially on like an overcast day, like a real overcast day where you're not able to use the sun as, uh, as a direction indicator. But, uh, man, that, uh, that's I don't know i'm glad I'm glad that we have those digital maps now that can kind of point us in the right direction,
1: oh yeah, I don't know how you would do it if you didn't I mean yeah. Parker had his had his map up, and so he was navigating with that, and I was just following him, but I don't know what you'd do if yeah. you didn't have a map i I literally don't know how you could even get anywhere close to where we were trying to go. I mean, I think you would just have to wait until it cleared out, yeah pretty sure it's, it would be physically impossible unless you set a compass bearing ahead of time and you are really confident in that compass bearing uh, and somehow think you could just go on a straight line but in this water I just I don't think it's possible so I think yeah. we would just be waiting till it cleared if it weren't for those apps
0: yeah all right so kind of pivoting to a new subject here um, I gotta I gotta share something with you something that I have been thinking a lot about and it's not bow hunting related it is actually fishing related and i so i've been just kind of doing a little research and yes
1: uh, yes you should buy a fly rod and yes you can come (laughs) to my cabin and yes we should go fishing
0: i already have a fly rod i have flies (laughs) i just i don't i don't know i just i i need to go do it is what is what i'm trying to say there was that where you're getting? No, I, no, I'm. I wasn't, but I. It's something oh I want to do. It's something I definitely <laughs> want to do because we have trout streams in northeast Iowa,
1: right? I've yeah. Seen Bill Winkie catch a bunch of catch a bunch of fish up there.
0: Yeah. So, so I'm gonna buy. I think this. I'm gonna buy a a, a put around John boat. Nothing for really any big water, but the reason I want to do it is is obviously I think I would take advantage of it doing what you guys did and backdoor public um mm-hmm. and you know backdoor hunting properties and things like that but at the same time i don't know if you ever heard of this but i want to run bank poles this summer
1: like for catfish yeah
0: for catfish so like nice. you, you put i've, I've you, never done it yeah and, and i haven't either i my stepbrother's done it my um i i've i i went one time to check bank polls with one of my buddies and it was a blast and i think it's something that you know, you could do it like I'm, I'm going to be able to do with the kids, like put them in, a, you know, put the life jackets on them, put them in there, go set them. Uh, and then, you know, the next day you go and you check them. And so I'm going to try to I think I'm going to try to do something crazy like that this summer, which is just another opportunity really to get outside and, and do something different. Like I, I'm I'm ready for something different.
1: Yeah, man, I think it's a great idea. And I, I I found that fishing related things are just really not all of them, but in many cases are just great opportunities with the kids, maybe a little bit more so than some of the hunting stuff we do yeah. to be able to get them out there You know, on a boat. They can ride along. They can feel like they're part of it. At the same point, at the same time, You know, it's not killing them physically. They're not in the way. They're just there having fun um i mean i bought a boat this summer and it was like the best thing i did all year for yeah. our family so cool yeah
0: um so yeah
1: i think that's that's gonna be great that'll be a blast
0: i don't know i got a
1: catfish a catfish fish fry is oh ooh, yeah good stuff
0: oh yeah the 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 best And if you can pair it up with some morel mushrooms and uh some french fries or some tater tots and and uh some, some creamy coleslaw yeah some some uh a variety of dipping sauces as well. Mm-hmm. I think would would probably be uh, necessary as well. So that sounds so good. We don't have good fish
1: fry places by me here in Michigan, and I was just talking about this with somebody. Like, I really wish we did. My, I was talking to a guy the other day who lives in Wisconsin. He said there's literally 15 different places within driving distance of him, like easy driving distance, that have Friday fish fries.
0: Oh yeah, that
1: well, sounds amazing.
0: That's uh, definitely in Iowa as well. Um, in when I was in college, there was a there was a town next to the town that I went to college in, and uh, it what was the name of it? Uh, I forget the name of it. Schaefer's, I think it might have been. The bar's name was uh, Schaefer's, but anyway, uh, we would go on Fridays. So we would go to FAC Friday after class. You know, uh, we would the the bar that we would go to had a free keg and when the free keg is gone then you gotta start paying for your drinks again well after the free keg was gone there'd be a whole bunch of us that would pile into a vehicle and would go to this next town and for this no joke for five bucks and this was early 2000s it was all you could eat fish all you could eat potato salad coleslaw and pork and beans and dude it was legit and then and then Like they had cheap beer, like a pitcher of beer was two bucks back then, or two fifty or whatever. And man, that was uh, that was the life. And that shit is delicious. That truly
1: sounds like paradise. I know, as far as I'm concerned. I know, I know. (laughs) That sounds so good right now.
0: Speaking of food, did you along your journeys? And I joked with Parker about this and ask I asked him if uh, because boiled peanuts are kind of a thing down in the South. Uh, did you run into any delicacies or, uh, crazy gas station type foods while you were, uh, on your journeys this fall?
1: Man, it's a great question. Um, I would tell you that Parker really wanted to go to Waffle House. Yep. So we went to Waffle House and, you know, no offense to Waffle House fans out there, but it's, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. But I wouldn't call it like right home about it or go to the South just to get it. So, um. We did that. Um, probably the best stuff I had down south was when I was in Arkansas. We got some real good barbecue. Yeah. I can't remember the name of the place, but some really good Arkansas barbecue. So I enjoyed that. Um, when I was in D.C., um, there's nothing really to write home about the food in D.C. Um, <laughs> except for like, our producer, like one of the guys that helps all this stuff, he – has very different taste in food than what I would normally want to get. So I'm usually like, let's get pizza, let's get burgers, let's get steaks, let's get barbecue And he's like, Let's get Persian. Let's get this <laughs> kind of let's get this noodle. Let's get this pho. Let's get this thing. And so like the whole trip that was our first trip of the year together and the whole time he's like We gotta get this thing and this thing. Like all just I don't wanna say weird because it's not weird for everybody, but for me it seemed just not like what I would want after yeah. hunting all day. Um so like that wasn't that was not a top shelf food place for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, when you were hunting bar- with,
0: when you were hunting with uh, Taylor in DC, did, yeah. uh, did you get into his bourbon stash at all? Cause I know the dude loves bourbon.
1: You know, we never did. We okay. never got to do that. We drank some beers and that was the extent of it. But yes, I think he's got a whole lot of secrets up his sleeve like that. Yeah. Um, that, uh, that make a trip out there particularly interesting. That was a wild one for all sorts of different reasons. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, other than that, man, there actually wasn't a lot of, like, great food things. Because a lot of the time, like, we were camping in Nebraska, so we were just eating freeze-dried. We were camping every day but the barbecue day in Arkansas, so that was freeze-dried. We were camping in Alabama, so other than Waffle House, we were making, like, just meals in camp. We had some real good fresh backstrap one night in Alabama on the fire. That was great. Um, in D.C., I mean, that one was what it was. Yeah. Uh, I'm forgetting something, but I guess to answer your question in short, no, there was no, nothing yeah. terribly memorable, unfortunately. Um, but you know, there was a lot of good uh, zebra cakes and yeah. brownies and Twinkies and ho hos and ding dongs and all that throughout the various trips.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, a lot of those. So here's the here's the other thing that I'm I've been thinking about lately, and it's one of those once-in-a-lifetime hunts, right, where, and you've already done this once, but I, I'm kind of curious what uh, what I want to do. You've done that already. Uh, my my once-in-a-lifetime hunt that I'm, I'm thinking about preparing for, I don't know if it's going to be 2022, but I would say next three to five years, I'm, I definitely want to try to go shoot a, a caribou before they just ban it all together. So up in Canada or Alaska or something like that. So I'm going to, I'm going to start prepping, like planning and, and, and collecting data on things to get me a caribou Are is there a, a, a once in a lifetime hunt that you're maybe planning for, or you have an itch for, or you're kind of like, Hey, I want to get this done in the next five years.
1: You know, I don't have, I don't actually have one that absolutely jumps off like, Oh, it's no question this. Um, but, but probably a moose hunt. Like, I got to figure out the right way. Like, I've thought like a float trip for moose would be pretty awesome, but yeah. I've actually talked to some people recently who say that those float trips aren't nearly as much fun as you think. Uh, cause there's a lot more people on the river and a lot of these rivers yeah. than we imagine. And you're setting up camp and moving every day and it becomes just a big pain in the butt. So maybe, maybe like a fly in moose hunt somewhere would be the way to go, but, but probably like an Alaskan or Yukon moose hunt would be right up there. Um, and then I want to do an, I want to do a elk hunt in like a super amazing elk zone, right? Yeah. I mean, all my elk hunts to this point have been over the counter stuff. Um, I've yet to hunt like a draw region. I've yet to go in a place where you can really see, you know, elk doing elky things. Other than one season, I hit the rut just perfect, and there weren't people in the area where, and we got it. <laughs> Outside yeah. of that, I've never really gotten the experience. I'd love to go somewhere where you can have a really good chance of the experience and have that. Yeah. That would probably be the one other thing that would be amazing. And then, um, so those would be the two hunt things. And then I've got a whole bunch of, like, fishing bucket list things that, since I haven't checked any of those boxes, there's a whole bunch on that zone. Like, I'd love to go and do some, you know, crazy flying Alaska fishing trip. I'd love to do, like, a big extended, um, you know, backcountry trip up into, like, the Bob Marshall Wilderness or up into Yellowstone for, like, two weeks or something where you can just, like, dig into that kind of thing. You know, the fun thing about the difference between, like, hunting adventures and fishing adventures, at least maybe it's different for different people, but to me it feels like when you're hunting, there's this pressure to work your tail off. Yeah. Like, you got to be working really, really, really hard because you're only going to get one chance and you're after one animal and... Like it's work. It's hard. It's exhausting. It's an absolute grind. I feel like a fishing trip is like a fun trip. You're just out yeah. there like for the experience. If you catch fish, great. If not, no big deal. You're still out there doing it. You end up catching some fish usually. Uh, it just seems like fishing seems so much less pressure filled. And I don't know if that's because like we work more on the hunting side of things and so we have that pressure, or if everybody feels that way just because hunting is a different kind of thing than fishing. Um, but I need to find some way to start getting fishing trips because I could use like a relaxing trip every once in a while. That oh, I yeah. think that would be that would be fun.
0: Oh yeah, I, I don't know. I agree with you because I don't know what what it is like. There's no. Sh- well, I take that back. If I'm fishing with my kids, there's a little stress because I don't I don't my I've, I myself don't get up fish. I'm always either putting a worm off, or uh, putting a worm on, or taking a fish off, or something like that. But but uh, like I would love to go on a, some kind of float trip. Or some kind of, uh, you know, hey, we're going to drop you off here at some Canadian lake. You know, there's walleye and there's smallmouth and, and pike up there and uh, yeah. maybe some musky. And and uh, we'll pick you up and we'll pick you up in five days type of deal.
1: Yeah, man. So that sounds that sounds like right up. That's what the doctors ordered. Exactly. Me right now,
0: something like that. Exactly. So, yeah, I don't know, man. So so coming in out to the uh, end of this you know, this, this journey, I know you got another, where's your next hunt at?
1: So the season is still open in Michigan. So I'm still hunting here at home. Um, But my last like traveling hunt is actually in Wisconsin, in Buffalo County.
0: Oh, nice. Nice. So you got Wisconsin, you got Michigan left. Um, Like what's one big takeaway from this entire season thus far?
1: So I, I had someone ask me this earlier and I had a hard time like putting a putting a finger on it and until like I talked around for like 15 minutes on it and then all of a sudden realized what it was and what I think it was is most of my seasons have been very end result focused like the season was all about killing that one target buck or it was all about killing a mature buck on this trip and a mature buck on that trip, and then killing one of these two deer in Michigan or something. It was always like about a named deer or a, this mission or whatever. Um, and I love that. Like I had a lot of fun with that. This year though was not that. This year was, um, it was all about putting myself into brand new situations and seeing if I could figure it out, seeing if I could learn, seeing if I could grow, seeing if I could survive it. And what I took away from now having most of this season gone is that that can be just about as satisfying and probably a lot better in many other ways than the other kinds of years I've had in the past when you look at your success and you look at the end result as, as the actual journey itself. as like Like my big trophy, quote-unquote, this year isn't going to be anything on the wall. My trophy this year is going to be Holy crap. I learned so much. Like I have got a, I've got a decade worth of experiences in a three month window. Um, I, I got to expand my view of deer hunting and my deer hunting kind of like experience set, like by leaps and bounds, um, by having done this. And so my takeaway is that the comfortable, easy thing that's going to lead to a kill that, you know, every year, that's cool and fun, but I think doing these like push yourself outside of your comfort zone hunts are really worth doing too. And I'm glad I've done it. And I think I'm going to keep on doing things like this. Maybe not the entire season like I did. Uh, but I think I'm always going to have a desire to do one of these. You're crazy. Why are you going into this weird situation? That's never going to work out kind of thing. Like, I think that's a pretty cool thing to put under your
0: calendar too.
1: That's, that's been my takeaway. I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's it's almost like you were living, reading a a book of stories or, or living those, those outdoor life articles that we'd read. And we're just like, man, I I wish I could do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. And I think the hard thing for me was to like step outside of the moment and look at the situation and, and recognize that. Yeah. It was, it was so easy in the moment to be focused on the just got to deal with this or just got to do this or just got to figure this out or got to push through this or got to, you know, you, you get stuck in like the grind of it. And I, I had to constantly be reminding myself like, hold on, zoom out. Look at how cool this is that you get to do this and you get to learn from this person. You get to be in this place. And yeah, it's not easy. Yeah, it's not type one fun. Uh, but You know, like you said, if there was a bunch of outdoor life articles written about these things, people would be like, dude, this is the dream. This is so awesome. So, you know, enjoy it.
0: Yeah, that's a fact, my friend. Well, Mark. I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on and BS with us again. Congratulations on uh, what sounds like an awesome season thus far. Good luck on the upcoming season. Congratulations on awesome facial hair. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I don't know when we'll talk again, but uh, looking forward to that moment.
1: Yeah, buddy. Well, thank you. It's, it's always good to get on here and shoot the shit. And uh, I got, we got to get you back on wired to hunt here soon. So I can, grill you on your stuff on your (laughs) hunts because i know i know you don't want to talk about that again here on this show because everyone's already heard it so i'll save all my detailed questions for
0: uh for wired to hunt here in the next couple weeks hopefully all right man well hey good luck tell the wife i said hi
1: thanks buddy you too see you
0: and there you have it ladies and gentlemen another episode in the books huge shout out to mark huge shout out to all of you like again hopefully you guys had a merry christmas um and I, don't, and I don't know what to say. I'm just, I'm, I'm really looking forward to 2022. The network is doing great things. Uh, I'm glad all of you guys are along for the ride. And uh, man, Merry Christmas. And here's to another badass year.